it was so such an easy decision to partner with you because you just have that. You're so good with people. You're so knowledgeable. And I feel like the reason that Fix does so well is because of you and just like your passion for it. The way you're able to talk to people, you're just, people are drawn to you. Welcome to the Business Muscle Podcast, where we empower entrepreneurs to transform their businesses into unstoppable empires. I'm Elise, CPA turned serial entrepreneur. And I'm Arielle, a seasoned physical therapist and business owner. We're two female entrepreneurs with a passion for helping small business owners like you achieve massive success. With our combined expertise, we've scaled to an impressive seven businesses in less than seven years. And guess what? Each of them was profitable right from the start. But we didn't stop there. We're here to share our secrets, strategies, and insider tips to help you turn your business into a thriving reality. And hey, we're not just all about business. As a physical therapist and fitness instructor, we'll also sprinkle in some fitness and wellness tips along the way. Join us on the Business Muscle Podcast every Monday as we guide you step-by-step towards financial freedom and building the business of your dreams. It's time to level up your business. Get ready to flex your business muscle. And we're back. And this week, we are going to interview another one of our co-founders. So I'm off the hot seat. This week, Ariel's on the hot seat. Put me in the hot seat. And we're going to talk about your story. Um, I know your story, but they might not know it as well. So we're going to get into it from the very early days of how you started out, how you eventually became a PT, and then how you eventually co-opened Fixed with me. Yeah, it's an exciting time. It's a very exciting time. So give us a little background. Where did you grow up? Were you always interested in physical therapy? Is this something that just came to you or you just randomly fell into this field? Give us the background. Yeah. So I grew up in Connecticut. I had, I was a tennis player. So that was kind of my thing, what I thought I was going to go to college and do. That was like what I wanted to do with my future. And then I got injured, which is the case for a lot of PTs. Um, I ended up needing ankle surgery during the time when I would have been able to been, have been recruited. Um, so it looked like that wasn't going to be able to happen. So I had ankle surgery my junior year of college, right after my best season. I was 13 of and one. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible time to have ankle surgery, but ended up having a really great relationship with my physical therapist at the time. I ended up babysitting her kids. Um, she just became like a friend to me and a mentor. And I really looked up to her and I thought she had a great quality of life. And that was something that I was definitely interested in. But then I went to Northeastern. I still wasn't convinced that I wanted to be a PT. I think I knew I wanted some kind of adventure. I remember talking to my dad about where I was going to go to school and I had gotten into UConn and he just kind of said, you know what? I think you've gotten into Northeastern too. Your brother lives in Boston. It sounds like maybe this is an adventure for you. Like, why not just go for it? So I ended up going to Northeastern and I was still kind of back and forth. I knew I wanted to be involved in something with fitness or sports. Um, so I applied for the athletic training department. And then the year that I got there, they cut that program. So that made that decision for me. I didn't become an athletic trainer. So I ended up switching to an MD track and I took a class my sophomore year, um, about like the quality of life for doctors. And it was this video about all these doctors getting divorced and how they never saw their kids. And which I know is not the case for all doctors, but it scared me out of it. And I thought if I wasn't hundred percent sure that I wanted to be a doctor, it probably wasn't the right fit for me. So I kind of just like fell back into PT and there ended up being one open spot in the program. So I applied in for it and ended up getting it. Um, and I, started working as a PT after I got out of school. So that's kind of how I got into that field, even though I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. It always it ended up working out that PT was what I kind of fell back into. And what type of clients were you seeing when you first started working? 
So I actually worked my first year. There's lots of different settings you can work in as a PT. I worked my first year in an inpatient unit. So with patients who had traumatic brain injuries and, you know, different things like that or spinal cord injuries. And I learned a ton. Definitely a great place to start if you want to just get your feet wet with that type of setting. And then after about a year, I it was just very emotionally draining and I decided that wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So then I ended up switching to outpatient setting, which is more orthopedics, seeing knee injuries, ankle injuries, post-surgery, those types of patients. And I really, really liked working with those patients, but I still felt like my hands were tied with certain things. There were certain things I couldn't do because of insurance purposes. Insurance companies were deciding how many visits we got. And that just really started to take away from all the things that I really loved about being a PT. And even though I loved the people that I worked with and I was learning a ton, it felt like I was getting better as a PT. I was sick of my hands being tied all the time and having them make those decisions for me. Yep. And then during that time when you were doing this work, you also walked into a class at a bar. I did. For a studio called Sweatfix. I did. Yeah. And that was a really exciting time because I feel like I liked what I was doing. I didn't feel like I was completely fulfilled in my job. So I wanted to do something different that was going to give me something that I was more passionate about, that was more exciting, and a community that I could be a part of. And that was what Sweatfix was for me. It was kind of my outlet for fitness and things that I couldn't necessarily do in my job at the time. And I wanted to to make an impact and be around people and bump the music and kind of do things my way in the class. And that's what Sweatfix turned into for me. It was a really, really fun experience and a place where I could be myself and kind of make those decisions and create really hard workouts for people. And it was the type of clients and that I wanted to work with were all at Sweatfix. Definitely. And I remember the day that I got, I think it was a text from you saying like, hey, can we meet? I have an idea. But I've never heard the backstory for you. Like, what made you decide you were going to bring this to sweat fix this idea of dry needling, which we can actually maybe tell people what dry needling is and yeah. kind of how this came about that you approached me with it. Yeah. So at my clinic at the time, all of the PTs did dry needling. So I actually had this, what I thought at the time was a wrist injury, but it ended up being all this nerve pain from my shoulder. I've had a lot of shoulder and like upper back issues in the past and I could not get this wrist pain to go away. I tried everything and I was a PT. I was still a new PT, but I was doing all these wrist stretches, trying to figure out where this pain was coming from and couldn't figure it out. So the PT that I worked at the time, who was a huge mentor for me, did dry needling on me and he worked on my trap, my shoulder, my forearm, and the pain went away almost instantly. And I had been in tears. I remember being at my friend's house the weekend before and I was like, couldn't even sleep. The pain was so bad. And all of a sudden the pain was gone. And I was like, what is this voodoo? This is amazing. It's like witchcraft. It is. Yeah. So essentially it's the use of an acupuncture needle to do a trigger point release. So it releases a really tight muscle. It increases the blood flow in that area. And it can be awesome for injuries and for nerve pain and lots of different things. So immediately I started looking at courses and where I could learn how to do this because I knew it was going to make me such a better PT and something that could be really effective for the patients that I was working with. And it happens in like two seconds. Like this is not a long procedure and that's why I love it. It makes changes so fast. So I was like, this could save my hands too because I was working like doing massage on people. I was like, this is just going to, this is going to be a game changer for me. So I looked at courses. There was nothing in this area. So I actually flew with one of the PTs that I worked with all the way to Colorado. We took a three-day course. You get everything in your body needled. He hated dry needling. He was one of the people who was sweating on the table all weekend. But you get everything needled. You leave super sore, but then you can take it back to the clinic and start using it. So I started using it right away. And the same mentor that I had been working with 
mentioned to me that he saw some clients on the side at his gym and he worked at an MMA gym and he was just seeing a couple clients on the side. And I, he was, you know, said that it was a really fun environment for him to work in. And those were the type of clients he liked working with were people who were doing MMA. And I thought, you know what, I have this great thing going at Sweatfix now. It's all the people that I want to work with and why not try just keeping some of those clients healthier by doing dry needling and treating their injuries. And maybe it'll be just more of the clientele that I want to work with and that I'm really passionate about. Well, I'm so glad you did for numerous reasons, but dry needling is one of my favorite things now. If you haven't tried it, you need to. It literally saves my back, my knees. But when you first thought of that, were you immediately thinking this is going to be a big business? Where was your head at? No, not really. I think I just thought I wanted a side hustle. I liked the security of having my full-time job too. And I thought it was just going to be kind of a fun thing. So when we first met and you tried the dry needling and you loved it, and then we sat down in the Gold's gym in the front of yep. Southie and you said, we're not doing this small. I was like, oh, okay, we're going to, we're, we're going to really think launch. this through. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm so glad because I actually tried to bring this idea to another gym before I started working at Sweatfix. And I, I'm so glad that that didn't work out because you were the right partner for me and that was the right setting for me to do this in. So when you first did it on me, I was first of all amazed at how quick, literally it's 30 second treatment and it, you feel your muscles contract and fully release. That's why when people are like, it's like acupuncture, it's the complete opposite thing. You feel your muscles contract, releases everything within a matter of seconds. And when you did that to me, I was like, why did I never know about this? A, and people are going to be obsessed with this. Like, that's how my brain works. I'm like, we need to offer this to our members and also be the first in this market. Like, why are people not doing this? How do I get this? And you were just like, you have to go through, get a referral and go to a physical therapist. And I was just, it seems too much for me. I was like, no, no, no. Right. And that was kind of the problem is I wanted to be able to use dry needling with everyone that I was seeing. But well, first of all, they weren't really the type of clients who all, who were really into the dry needling like I was and were believing me when I was telling them about it. Um, but, you know, it was just something that I wanted more people to have access to because, like you said, it's really hard to get access to it. You have to get a referral from your doctor to go to physical therapy. You need to see a PT who actually is trained in dry needling and whose clinic allows them to do dry needling because there are certain states that they don't allow dry needling to be performed in. Certain clinics like bigger hospitals and things like that just don't allow it to be done because it's still a newer um, type of treatment, not new. It's been, you know, wide, more widely used since like 2003, but since it's not as old as acupuncture and there's just not as much knowledge about it, I think a lot of places are hesitant to use it. So I wanted a way to figure out how to just go right into it, explain to people what it is and let them feel the benefits of it for themselves. Yeah. And the response was amazing. We quickly just put together like pricing for it and we were like, we're going to promote this, but it was still under the sweat fix umbrella. And when did this idea become more real to you? Was there a moment or was it just gradual over time? Yeah. So I think the biggest change for me in deciding that I wanted it to be a side hustle versus I wanted it to be what I did full time was actually during COVID. So that was a time when I got laid off from my job and I was like, all right, well, this is a chance to kind of restart and figure out what I want to do with my career and where I wanted to go. And during that time, we were brainstorming tons of different creative things that we could do for Sweatfix, trying to get our community more involved, trying to get the team involved and just keep everyone really connected. And I remember during that time, clients asking for a mobility class or a foam rolling class or a stretch class. And that the response we got from those was amazing. And I was like, hey, I'm a PT. I could run a foam rolling class. And that's something that I'm 
passionate about is educating people on how to move their bodies in a better way. And this is just seems like a seamless fit. And I think during that time, the ideas just started to snowball because I don't think I was nervous that just dry needling wasn't going to be enough because it's not for everyone, even though I'm super passionate about it. And it's kind of what the business was based off of. I think I wanted it to be more that I wanted to educate people to move and feel their best. And that was kind of what I wanted the business to be based off of. Dry needling is a great tool to get you to those places, but there's so much more to that. And knowing that I had that time to really sit and think about what I wanted to do next was actually such a blessing and that I ended up getting laid off from that job. Because when I applied for a new job, I applied for a job that was closer to Sweatfix so I could teach more there. And I started working there. And as soon as I went back into the clinic, I was like, no, this is the same. It's going to be the same no matter where I go. It's not the right fit for me. Even though I still loved being a PT, being in the traditional outpatient setting just wasn't it for me. Yeah. So we made the best decision, which was while I'm seven months pregnant and while we're in the middle of a pandemic and everybody's closing a business. To have you quit your job and open a business. Yeah. I remember that phone call with my parents and they're like, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had the same phone call with my dad years before the sweat fix. He was like, you are getting rid of your accounting degree and going to open a row studio. What are you doing? Like, yeah. they're just, a lot of people just don't get it. Their generation doesn't think that way with taking risks and just going for it. They right. Not many of them did that back then. It was different. You got your degree, you followed your career and that's what you did. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, I think it was just a really challenging time too. Like my dad owned his own business for 30 yeah. plus years. Well, so, he, so he, he had a little bit of a bug. Yeah, in like, he yeah. did. And I think he knew like when I went to Boston, like he was like, you're going to do something cool. Like I, yeah. I just know that like, you're going to, you're going to find something that's, you know, bigger than what you might be able to do if you stay here. And, um, you know, I just think that that time was really challenging, but it, it made me make some decisions about what I really wanted to do. And it just showed us that time is, you know, you don't have endless amounts of time. Like you got to do things now if you want to make things happen. And, you know, that was just a really interesting time because I was nervous about how things were going to go, but I'm so glad that they all happened when they did. Cause they I would have gotten out. too nervous. I think if more time went on. <laughs> yeah. So we, I remember us talking about it and we eventually were at a brewery, Dorchester Brewing. And I think that's when we were like, we need to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And so we found a space and then tell us about the early stage, like before it was open, like what was that like for you? You've never opened a business. You had to put in your two weeks. Give us a little insight of what that felt like. Yeah, that was a scary time because I was working this new job that I only been at for a few months, but behind the scenes, I was working on tons of other things to try and get the business off the ground. So I was still teaching at SweatFix, still working my full-time job, but any other pocket of time that I had, I was working on writing all the text out for the website, what our mission was going to be, what other services we were going to provide, all the other logistical things that we needed to go through to open a cash-based PT business, which I had no you know, expertise in at all and kind of just learning all those things and doing those things behind the scenes. Um, and I think during that time, I just, this was gonna, this was it. This was my dream. I was going to make this happen no matter what it took. And I think that was a, a time when I felt like I just wasn't getting any sleep, but I was just getting things done and just kind of kept moving forward because I knew that's how important it was to me. I wanted to just make it happen no matter what it took. Yeah. So I feel like our, there was two big decisions when we went. The first, the biggest one was the name. Once we came up with fixed and it just, I feel like everything started to fall into place. We had gone back and forth for names and the same day we both sent fixed. Yeah. And we were like, this is it. That's where one thing it felt like this is, we had grown in the right direction. The other thing, and most people might not know, but I feel like we launched with five services, but that was really like, what are we going to actually provide to people? So maybe tell them a little bit about the services and how you decided those were going to be it. Cause we didn't want to offer 
a whole slew. We wanted to have really a couple of really good services and be really good at them and not have a hundred different things. Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, dry needling was obviously number one because we knew it was such an effective tool in a way that we could help people improve things so quickly. Um, Grassin was also a course that I had taken when I was, um, practicing as an outpatient clinician and a tool that a lot of the other PTs I worked with used as well. And I found that really helpful for scar tissue and different adhesions, plantar fasciitis. Those are the types of things that we use Graston for. And those tools are just so like sleek and unique and have like an appeal in themselves as far as what they're, what changes they're making. So I definitely knew I wanted that to be incorporated. Um, Cupping was something I hadn't used a ton, but actually the second clinic I worked at, they did a lot more cupping there. And I feel like between that and seeing other professional athletes use cupping, we definitely knew it was something that was going to be beneficial. So cupping is the the use of a cup that gets placed over the skin. It increases the blood flow right underneath that area. You can use it for upper, upper back pain, lower back pain, or just to improve your mobility in general. We now use that a lot more as like a maintenance service and just to continue to feel well. And we're always learning new and different techniques. Now we do a lot more with cupping with movement and moving the cups around. And there's so many different things that you can do with them that that's a really great service that we use now too. Um, and then we have assisted stretching, which is something that we had tried at some different unique studios in you know, in the Boston area and something that a lot of people had heard of. And we thought that that might be a good way for people to come learn about what we do, try something. And then we could explain, you know, not only assisted stretching, but having some of the other services be involved too. And, um, you know, just getting more mobility because I feel like it's, it's challenging to commit to a mobility program and to commit to continuing to feel well. But if you could go somewhere for only 20 minutes, you have your appointment time, you're committed to going to stretch during that period of time, it can definitely help you stay consistent. So that's definitely one reason why we wanted to incorporate the assisted stretching. Um, And now we have built out our physical therapy program quite a bit as well, which in the beginning, I think I thought that I didn't want to be a PT anymore because I was burnt out of the system, but that wasn't the case. And I think around a year in, someone asked me if I would do physical therapy with them. And I reluctantly said yes (laughs) and had an amazing experience because I got to make all of our, my clinical decisions. I got to pick what we wanted to do in the service. I could use these other tools as part of the physical therapy and know that I could get them better in a handful of sessions. So I had a whole hour with them where I didn't have to worry about documentation. I didn't have to worry about insurance hoops to jump through. And I like re-fell in love with being a PT at that time, um, which now has snowballed into pelvic floor PT and just lots of different things that we've added. So the initial services have kind of all grown and evolved over time. Um, But yeah, having those top four that I had familiarity with from being a PT was kind of why we made that decision. Definitely. So there was a lot going on when we went to open this business. We were in the middle of COVID. I was pregnant. You were still working your other job. What are some tactics that you use to manage your stress and kind of stay organized and make this actually happen? And what I think it took us, was it four weeks open, four or five weeks again, similarly to Sweatfix? How did you make it all happen? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was having a good support system. At the time, my now fiance was still in school and he had a lot going on, but he was on board from the very beginning. I remember having that conversation with him of like, I'm going to pitch this to Elise and I'm serious about it this time because I had toyed with the idea before and he was like, all right, we're doing it. I'm coming with you to the brewery. Let's like sit down and, and talk you know about- when you pitch it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we knew we weren't going to be a business small. in four weeks. <laughs> right. It wasn't going to be small. We were going to do it big. So having that really great support system was awesome. I don't know what I would have done if he hadn't been on board. So 
I think just finding any pockets of time that I could work on things. I made like a standing desk in my bedroom in my apartment in Dorchester where I was just using my dresser as a desk because I just wanted to to focus and have a space where I could work on things and filling those gaps of time in. I was just every weekend kind of grinding and knowing that the end was in sight uh, helped with that a lot. Um, I definitely just tried to say focus on one thing at a time. You know, because every time I would look at all the things that needed to get done, that could become a little bit overwhelming. So just making a list and just checking off one thing, one thing at a time. What could I get done today? Even if it was like breaking things out into sections, you know, like the task of writing an entire website and what description you want for everything is overwhelming. But if I said, okay, today I'm just going to come up with a description for dry needling. Today I'm just going to come up with a description for cupping. Um, That was really helpful. And I did have uh, definitely a hard time with keeping things in because at the time I didn't want to tell a lot of my friends and obviously I couldn't tell my coworkers when I was going to be leaving that job, what was going on and what I was working on and why I was coming into work so exhausted all the yeah. time. Um, so I, I did actually journal some things during that time and, you know, write things down and just share with who I could and talk to my family a ton about what I was going through. And that was really helpful too, having that support system. We're going to have to crack that journal open. I know. And lots of wine. Yeah, I know. I couldn't even drink at the time. Yeah. You were pregnant. I was sitting on your couch, just having a glass by myself. (laughs) But I just remember us grinding and we never, it wasn't like we complained. We weren't, we just made it happen. We knew we had to make it happen. And there was never a moment of like, Oh God. It was like, nope, today this is what we're gonna do. Bang, bang, bang. And we just startly chipped away, like you said. Yeah. And I was excited about it. Every time we had something, that's like what I was looking forward to in the day was coming to your house and getting public kitchen takeout and working yeah. on stuff. So no, it's so exciting to open your own business. There's nothing like it. It's the adrenaline. It's just it's so exciting. Ten out of ten, recommend. Ten Putting out of your ten. Job <laughs> your own tell business. them you're leaving. <laughs> We're just going to take a brief pause from this episode to tell you all about our free business starter checklist. This is the checklist that we wish we had before opening our first businesses. It includes every step you'll need to take your business off of the ground. If you're someone who's looking to launch your first business, head to businessmusclepodcast.com and snag your free checklist. Now let's get back to the episode. So then we open it and it blew us away right? We, it blew away any projections we had. We did not expect the response that we got. We sold out the first weekend fully. You were booked every single slot. And then we're like, oh, she's going to be able to breathe for a second. And then no, you were seeing 24 clients a day for like seven days a week. You were just seeing so many people at the beginning, which was amazing. It was a great problem to have. But what was that like? Was there ever a time where you were getting burned out or you wish that we kind of gave you a day off at the beginning or were you just like, no, this is what we need to do. I'm so into it. How are you feeling? Yeah. I mean, I was just so grateful about the response that we had. I think I, I knew I was grinding and I knew that I needed some rest at some point, but I was just like, eyes focused on what was coming next and kind of what we needed to do to continue to move forward. And I think during that time, even though it was stressful and I am like an extroverted introvert, like I, I love talking to people, but then I need a second to like you know, breathe in between. Um, I think it just made me excited to about the possibility that it might not just be a solopreneur business eventually, that it might be something that if the response is this good from the beginning, then we might be able to scale it. We might be able to grow. I might be able to get another PT in here that I can teach what I'm doing and, you know, can be as successful as I am and that can continue to help people and the impact that we'll have will just get bigger and bigger. So, you know, that was definitely a challenging time. I'm not going to lie. There was, I was definitely a little bit fried by the end of the weekend. There was, 
some tears here and there as, yeah. as can be expected, but it was all worth it. I would not go back and trade how we do did things because the response was so incredible. And eventually there were times when it wasn't as crazy as that first month and I had a chance to breathe and kind of get my footing again. So I was just so pumped about how things went in the beginning. Yeah. When at the beginning, your head's down, you're just grinding. When was there a moment or has it ever happened? So where you're like, I did it, I made it. Where was that <laughs> moment, that aha moment? Yeah. I mean, I think just the first month, like when we got to the end of the first month and you printed out our PL, I still have it of the Ooh. first month. And it was like, oh, okay, this is actually going to work. Like, oh my God, this is actually going to work. I think the first time I got a phone call having, when we first announced the business and we had the phone, the doors were not open yet, but I had someone call and say they wanted to book a service. And we were sitting at the Remedy Exchange and I was like, oh my God, someone wants to come work with me. This is amazing. But then really getting through that first month and seeing that the business could actually make money and I could actually make a career out of this. That was like, okay, phew, I left my, left my secure job, but this is going to work. It's going to work out. And I'm so glad that we did that. Yeah. And Fix actually beats Webfix. So Fix hit six figures in only four months. So you crushed it. And what, when I think back to the launch, if you were going to give somebody advice, like what were some of the things that we did right on that launch that was able us to grow and hit that number so quick compared to most businesses? Yeah. I feel like everything just kind of fell into, like fell into place. Everything that we did was, you know, so important to the health of the business. And I think the first idea that we had was to open a brand new sweat fix and put fix inside of it or put it in a side room. And then I remember when you called me and said, you know what, we might need a better, like an area where we actually know the community. And that was the best decision we made mm-hmm, was to definitely. open in Wakefield where you already had a following from Sweatfix. We knew the community really well. We knew that we could get local business owners in. We knew that we could have different gym owners come in and that we were going to be like Switzerland and we were going to be able to be in contact with all the different fitness studios. So we had that period of soft opening where we were reaching out to every single influencer and business owner and anyone that we could get in for free and just using that time to spread the word. I think we thought that some of those business owners were just going to tell their clients and hopefully send us people, but they loved it so much that they were already purchasing packages during those first two weeks during the soft opening. So that was probably the most important thing that we did was that soft opening period where we just gave as many sessions away for free as possible. Yeah, definitely. That was huge. Um, Just building that network ahead of time and building the buzz. I think that was such a big thing. That's what I would have said as well. Um, so then we have fix and it's running. And then two years later, we decide that it's time to open another one. So was this something that you had thought from the beginning when we first opened the first fix that you wanted to grow to numerous locations or were you always think it was going to be one location? I think initially I thought that it was going to be just one location until we started talking about how if we found the right person to open a new one or a second one and they could do what I did in the first one and be like the head at the beginning and help it grow and be that person there every single day. Because I think my biggest thing was that I was nervous I was going to be spread too thin if I was trying to be the head at multiple locations with just the nature of the one-on-one services that we provide. And I didn't want to give that portion up of being able to treat clients and see, you know, all the the clients that we had in Wakefield. So I think once we met Alyssa and knew from the very beginning, the moment she started that she was interested and as passionate about the concept of fix as we were, I think that's when I started to realize that we could actually grow it and find these other really amazing clinicians, both PTs and ATs who 
were as burnt out from the system as I was and wanted to do things their own way and wanted to really make an impact and try and use some of these skills in a different way and continue to grow upon them. I think that's when it started to click was when Alyssa started with us. Definitely. And in those years, I feel like it transformed within the first two years from a solo practice to kind of what it is now. What is your thought on like some of the big ways that it changed from that first day we opened to probably a couple of weeks before we opened Haverhill when it was just one location? How did the business change? Yeah. I mean, I think for myself, I know that I changed a lot during those first two years because I was making all the decisions for myself, but I had never had to think about managing another person before. That wasn't something that I had done. Um, so to take not only the things that I was doing, but to be able to teach them to someone else and have them be able to replicate it and know that it's not me that people are coming here for. It's the concept and it's it's fixed and it's the things that we do, the education that we provide. I think that made me really realize that what we were doing was way bigger than myself, which is really incredible. And I think teaching some of our other, other clinicians the things that I do and what's worked and not worked and bouncing ideas off of them and seeing how things can snowball and continue to grow, even like with our physical therapy department now offering public floor PT and how that's grown. I think that's been really amazing and it's made my skills even better. And it's made me become a manager and become more of a leader in this position and realize that fixed is not just about me. It's about the whole team and it's the, the way that we are giving people a place that they can come not only to treat injuries, but to continue to move and feel better. And that's just like what our motto has been since the very beginning is we want to help people help themselves and continue to feel better. Yeah. So somebody that's listening to this and they're like, I want to quit my job and maybe it's not to be a PT or even in the fitness field or wellness. What would you tell them are some of like the key things that they need to succeed? Some of the things that worked for you that you think really would be the advice you'd give to somebody? Uh, find a business partner who knows how to use spreadsheets. <laughs> yep. Definitely. I mean, that was huge for me because at the time I didn't know a lot of that stuff. I didn't know what it was going to take to open the business. So highly recommend having a business partner, which we have another episode on all the reasons why we recommend that, which you can take a listen to. Um, but, you know, just having that vision and having like always going back to the vision, I think is something that I've continued to remember. And anytime we're adding a different service or we're adding when we added the Norma Tech boots, it's like, okay, does it go back to the vision? Like, what's the vision? And that's helping people move and feel their best. So if it fits within that, then go for it. And that's kind of what can be your guide and your North Star when you're making your decisions about your business. Definitely. And I feel like when I first met you, you've always had this like it factor. And you it made it was so such an easy decision to partner with you because you just have that. You're so good with people, you're so knowledgeable. And I feel like the reason that Fix does so well is because of you and just like your passion for it, the way you're able to talk to people, you're just, people are drawn to you and you make them better, but also they just want to be around you. And I feel like you've kind of showed our whole team how to treat people, how to talk to people. And you've built this amazing community at Fixed. And I feel like that's a testament to you and you built that community at Fixed. Um, but now our, our clinicians are, are carrying in your footsteps. So I think that's huge. So we had a lot of great moments. We've talked about all the good things, but I don't want people to leave this and think that it was just easy for us and it just happened. So what were some mistakes or some hurdles that happened along the way? Yeah. I mean, there, I feel like there's times when you're like, you show up and you're like, how, how do I do this every day? You know, mm -hmm. and you go back to the vision. You remember all the reasons why you showed up, but it doesn't make it easy in those like moments when things are really challenging. But I think a few of the things that I've kind of learned is 
to let the little things go, which is way easier said than done. But some of the things that I was worrying about during our first year, I look back and I'm like, wow, that wasn't a big deal at all. I don't know why I was worried about that. Um, but you know, pick the big things. Those are the things that you want to focus on. And you know, the, the 99% of our clients are amazing. And you get those like key emails that, you know, someone's picking apart what you did or whatever, and you have to just let them go because it doesn't matter in the long run. Um, so just kind of picking the big things to worry about and letting all the little stuff kind of just roll off your back can be really, really important. And I think the other thing is not assuming that everyone's going to be pro what you're doing. You know, people are going to have questions. If you're making a new business, that's a new concept, people are going to question it. And I think in some ways that makes it seem like you're going to question yourself, like, am I doing the right thing? But at the same time, I think that's a sign that you're doing something that's really innovative and that's something that's important for the profession. And I think that's what I realized in the beginning when I had other PTs saying to me, like, well, you're not a real PT anymore. You're just doing dry needling. And I was like, well, wait a second. (laughs) Yes, I am, first of all. But and just knowing that they didn't see what I was doing as a positive thing. And I think just kind of sticking with it and knowing that my mission was the same and knowing that I had room to grow and that we were going to continue to move forward and not, not worrying about what other people thought was important. I feel like people don't like when other people go against the grain. When you start carving your own path, people get nervous. And so they just critique it. Right. Because they're just intimidated by it. And right. I feel like that happened to us at the beginning. It did. By studios, not studios, but like other businesses in the area that didn't understand what we were. Right. But we wanted to shake up the industry and we knew what we wanted to do. And so there was going to be some critiques at the beginning. Yeah. And that was okay. It was nerve wracking at the time, but now I'm like, bring it on. Yep. <laughs> it makes you a little bit tougher too. So now we've grown to just you and me working there too. We have a bunch of clinicians. We have another studio. So there's a lot of more, there's a lot more, there's a lot more people that are underneath you. So what are some of the best ways you found to manage our team? Because you are the person they go to for this one. Right. Um, yeah. Number one is clear communication. Always just ask questions and just get on the phone because text can be hard to interpret. But if I just am unsure why something unfolded the way that it did, let's just talk about it. Anything that comes up, just clear communication. Um, another thing that I found that makes things, you know, work for, for both parties is when you're giving anyone constructive criticism, try to start with a positive, then give the feedback and then add another positive at the end. Because I feel like sometimes if you jump right into the negatives and then you give a positive, like all the person heard was the negative, you know, it's hard to kind of come back from that, but if you can kind of sandwich it, then it makes it seem like your, you know, your feedback is received a little bit more in a friendly way. And I think that both parties can just leave the conversation feeling a little bit better. And lastly, just setting really clear expectations, which I think is something that I'm continuing to learn how to do. And if something's not going the way that I had hoped it would go with one of our staff members, I always look back at myself. Like, did I set the expectation the right way? And a lot of times it wasn't communicated effectively or the expectation wasn't correct. So I have to go back and kind of check myself and say, what was the expectation and what was performed? And that can be really helpful in, you know, getting our our team members on the same page as what we're trying to accomplish. Awesome. So going forward, what is your goal for fix? Like, where do you see it going? If you could you could pick, what would you want to do? Yeah. I think now my dream is to have more locations where we're taking more clinicians who can see themselves being, doing something different and improving their community and have an idea of, or have a community that they are really involved in and they want to 
kind of bring the idea of fix to that area and create the next entrepreneur and kind of just replicate that process. Because now that we've seen that concept in Haverhill and how well things are going up there, I think I want to continue to, to grow the business and be really involved in that side and kind of making the, the entrepreneurship happen for a lot more clinicians. Yeah, it's it's so fun to see somebody else quit their job and take a chance and follow their dream than when you're just doing it by yourself. It's a yeah. lot more lonely when you're just a solo entrepreneur. So it's, it's really fun to see other people actually make that jump. Yeah, it's so fun. It's great. It's been great. Is there anything else before I jump into our fast five that you want to mention about Fix or kind of the journey that I didn't touch on yet? Um, no, it's been a wild ride, but everything's been worth it. You know, I wouldn't trade the way that things unfolded and we're constantly learning and growing. And I think it's been really amazing to see what we've accomplished so far and excited for what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Stay tuned. Things, new things are coming soon. So we're going to end with our fast five, which we do with all the interviews. So what is one of your non-negotiables that you have every day? Yeah. Mine's going to be similar to what yours was, but moving my body in any way. I feel like my day hasn't started until I do some kind of movement. So even if it's a, if it's a lift or if it's a walk, um, even just like this morning, I didn't have a ton of time. So I just did like a 10 minute yoga and I feel like that like sets the tone for the rest of the day. Awesome. What would you go back and tell little Ariel? So five years ago, when you were working at your PT job, I think you were at Sweatfix at that time. What would you go back and tell her? Yeah, I would tell her, don't quit your dream of becoming a PT because that wasn't the part that I didn't. I loved being a PT. And I think at the time I thought that I wanted to do something else, but I'm so glad that I stuck with it and found a way to make it my own. What is the worst piece of advice you were ever given? Uh, actually, can I go with the best piece of advice? Yeah, go with the best. Yeah. (laughs) Why not? Let's do it. I'm going to go with the best piece of advice I've ever been given. And that's just to fake it till you make it. And that helped me build so much confidence in the beginning when I wasn't sure how things were going to work out. But just believe in yourself before anyone else does. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people have imposter syndrome. You just got to get out of your own way. You have so much more knowledge. You got to give yourself credit for it. Um, what are three traits that you think a good entrepreneur needs? Definitely being a good communicator and working on those communication skills, being confident. And if you're not, then fake it till you make it. <laughs> and then you definitely got to have some optimism because there's some times when you're not sure if things are going to work out and they're going to work out. Last question. What is one of your bucket list places you want to travel to? I would love to go to Australia. That's been on my list. Go see maybe the Australian Open for tennis. Oh, that would be Back really to my cool. roots. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this was so fun. A lot of this stuff... I knew, but then some of it I had no idea. So I'm so glad we got to sit down and do this. If you haven't yet, come check out Fixed. It's in Wakefield, and we also have our newest location in Haverhill. The, one of the main reasons I love it, it's quick 20-minute appointments, so we get you in and out, and it truly has saved me in so many different ways. So you can follow us, Fixed Studios, on Instagram or fixstudios.com. You can book it right there. We're also on the Mind Body app. And then you can follow me, Elise Kyra, on Instagram, and then... Dr. Ariel.dpt on Instagram and um, businessmusclepodcast.com. Yeah. So next, until next time, everybody. You just finished another episode of the Business Muscle Podcast. If you found value in this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Your reviews mean the world to us and help us reach other listeners who can make a big impact in the business world. Don't forget to join our Business Muscle Podcast Facebook group where you can ask questions and chat with other like-minded entrepreneurs. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll bring you more expert advice and practical strategies to help you thrive. Thank you for being a part of the Business Muscle community and we'll catch you in the next episode.